Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast number 85. And I am looking so forward to answering this question about the religiosity of Jesus and of his disciples. Now, in the West, we have the idea and often talk about how that Christianity is not a religion. Well, that's true, and yet it's not wholly true in that a religion has to do with rituals and routines. And while we don't trust rituals or routines or anything else except the Lord Jesus to save us, the fact is we have religious aspects in our walk with God. What is religion? Well, it is something you do over and over and over again, usually associated with a deity in various places throughout the earth. In our aspect of religion, it has to do with the true and the living God. And we do certain rituals and routines that help us and aid us in our devotion to God and our walk with God. And often I hear uh, people I take to Israel, they will talk about the dead and empty rituals and routines. Well, well, they could be dead like many of our churches are, but that's not because of the rituals and routines. It's because we have abused the rituals and routines that were probably begun and uh, were started with good things in mind, and we've turned them into an end in themselves. For instance, I know that many people have what they call a quiet time or a personal worship time. You can name it whatever you want to, but I assure you, if you've done that for a long time, there's going to be days when it's good and days when it's not so good. Sometimes it's going to be like peaches and cream, and other times it's going to be dry like cereal. It's nourishing, but it's kind of boring. And I know you might not think I would say that, but the fact is I've been walking with God for 45 years, and there's been many times when I've done what I've done just because I knew it was the right thing to do and I needed it. But I can tell you every morning and every afternoon, every evening, I didn't meet God. God was there, but I wasn't there. I was doing, uh, going through the rituals and the routines. What I'm saying is sometimes we go to church and it's just a ritual or a routine. We do it out of habit. We do it. And all of those things are good. We don't need to throw out the baby with the bathwater, but we don't need to throw out all rituals and routines either. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, Jesus did many rituals and routines that would be called religious in every sense of the word. We know that Peter was a religious man. We know that the sons of Zebedee were religious people. And often I'm asked, well, how do you know that? Why would you say that? Because we're so into saying Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Well, sometimes that's a cop-out because we're lazy and we just think that we can walk with God by just uh, feeling it. That's not the case. We have to discipline ourselves. We have to buffet our bodies. We have to bring the flesh under control. And sometimes that means we have to deny ourselves and deny our flesh. We need to fast. We need to read whether we feel like it or not. We need to do it because it's the right thing to do and there's ritual involved in it. 
Jesus did all kinds of things that were religious, and, and sometimes he did things that were just traditional, had nothing to do with Torah, had nothing to do with the Tanakh, and never mentioned in the Torah and the Tanakh. Uh, he did many things, even feasts that were not Levitical. We know he observed uh, the Feast of Dedication, or what we would call Hanukkah, and we know that because of the Gospel of John. But that's not a Levitical feast. That's not one of the seven feasts. That came along in the intertestamental period. And so we know that he observed that. That's one way we know he was religious and did things that were out of tradition. He went into the synagogue in Luke chapter 4. The Bible says he came to Nazareth. This was after he'd been tempted in the desert in the wilderness for 40 days. And it says he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And he went into their synagogues and he came to Nazareth, which was his own hometown where he'd been brought up. And in verse 16, it says, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on Shabbat and stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and he began to quote out of the prophet Isaiah. Now, all you have to do, remember the Bible is a Jewish book. It's written by Jews to Jews, primarily for Jews. And so every Jew knew what would happen. The synagogue was not Levitical. It came about after the destruction of the first temple. And the Jews began to assemble themselves together while they were in exile and in captivity. And while they were in exile and captivity, those assembly places, they began to be called houses of assembly or Beit Knesset. And when Alexander brought his language as he swept across the world at that time and conquered the known world, he took Koine Greek with him and the word Beit Knesset became soon agogos or synagogue. And so the synagogue came about as a, first of all, just a house of assembly, houses of assembly for the Jews to get together and to keep everything going and to keep their traditions going and to sometimes read Torah. And, and it became a place where indeed a Torah was taught so that during the days of Jesus, when they had the weekly readings of the law and the prophets and the writings, they would read a Torah portion, and then it would be explained through the prophets uh, and the writings. And it just so happened in the providence of God, not by accident, that when Jesus went in, he was handed the place to read. And providentially, it was a messianic passage out of the prophet Isaiah when he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he said, it was the story of Jubilee. And he said, this day it's fulfilled in your hearing. And so some of you have heard me preach on that passage and expound that passage, but it's fascinating. But Jesus was doing this. He didn't, he was never commanded to go to the synagogue. He did that simply out of ritual, out of routine, and out of tradition. It was not even an Old Testament entity. And even we know he wore a prayer shawl. You say, well, how do you know he wore a prayer shawl? Well, first of all, yeah, that is Levitical and was to be done. But you know the story in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. Uh, he was with his disciples, and it says, And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years, she would have been hemorrhaging, came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If I can only touch the hem of his garment, then I shall be made well. And you say, well, now what does that have to do with a prayer shawl? Because the word for the hem of his garment there is the word, it's a specific word, tzitzit. Those are the tassels of the tallit, of the prayer shawl. And so Jesus was wearing a prayer shawl. And why would he do that? Because 
the Jews, unlike us in the West, we bow our heads, we close our eyes. Why do we do that? So that we can concentrate on talking to God. Well, the Jews didn't do that because they didn't go over a list of prayer like we did or like we do. They took a prayer shawl, put it over their head, and that formed almost like what we would see on a mule or a horse, blinders, so they wouldn't be distracted. And that was their closet. And then they would shut the door of the closet by putting the Word of God in front of their face, and they would read scriptures. And uh, because uh, the greatest praying is not us just talking to God all the time. That's why I don't like the definition of prayer being talking to God. It's not talking to God. It is communicating with God. And primarily when we're doing our best praying is when we're reading the Word of God, seeing what His will for our life is, and we pray back to Him, God, enable me to please you by walking in faith. What is walking in faith? It's walking in obedience to the Word of God and trusting God and what He says above what we think, feel, or what anyone else says. And so in Matthew's Gospel, there again, we see Jesus wearing a prayer shawl because the woman wanted to touch the strings. This is why the disciples were almost beside themselves when Jesus said, someone touch me. Who was it? And they said, touched you. He said, someone touched my tzitzit. Well, as you know, there are strings all over uh, it has a, a very distinctive pattern. Every string had a purpose. But there there were so many of them. And, and they said, well, how can we know who did that? And so all to say, you just need to know the context here of this. Jesus was very religious. Well, what about Peter? Very briefly, a couple of things with Peter. The best example of Peter is in the Gospel of Acts in relationship to Cornelius. As you remember, he was... In Joppa, he was with Simon the Tanner. He went up on the roof, and a sheet came down with all kinds of creepy crawling things on it. God had already been talking with Cornelius a couple of days' walk up the road, and uh, people were on their way there from the house of Cornelius to get Peter because God had told him to go and uh, get Peter, and Peter would come and tell him how to be saved and how to know him in a personal way. And so God was getting Peter ready, which, by the way, I just need to parenthetically say it's amazing, and it's just like God. Every time God speaks to us about witnessing somebody, he's already got the way prepared. You don't have to try to make something happen. Just relax and just do what God says to do. God's already worked on somebody's heart. We're not going to save anybody. We're not going to convict anybody. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So just ease up a little bit on thinking you and I have to do something. All we need to do is be faithful to speak the Word of God when God gets us ready to do it because He's already been talking with that other person to begin with. But very quickly... Peter saw this sheet coming down, and it was filled with all kinds of creepy, crawly lizards and everything else you can imagine. And a voice came and said, Peter, rise and eat. And he said, I cannot do that. He said, it's unclean. He said, don't call what I made unclean. And uh, Peter said, I cannot do this, and I have not since my youth. Now, what was Peter saying? He said, I'm kosher. I've never eaten anything like that. I wasn't allowed to eat that. We didn't do that in my family. Why? Because he came out of a religious family. He was kashrut. He did not eat unclean things. Now, only a religious Jew would say that. And so Peter was a religious Jew. Not only that, but I could go into literally another 10 to 15 minutes just on Peter and him worshiping and going to hours of prayer in the temple and observing the feast. This is what they did. And so they were religious people. And one final thing that sometimes doesn't get brought out in the Gospel of John. You see, John was 
and the sons of Zebedee were religious people. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, you'll recall that after Jesus was betrayed, he was taken to the house of the high priest. And so it says, I'll just start reading in John 18, in verse 12. Then the detachment of troops and the captain, the officers of the Jews, arrested Jesus and bound him, and they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law to Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Now listen to verse 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple, and that's talking about John, this way talked about himself all the way through the gospel. Now listen to this. Now that disciple was known to the high priest. In other words, the high priest who knew who John was. And he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. John accompanied Jesus and the high priest knew him. How would he know him? Well, he knew his family. They were close. They knew one another. And you say, well, how do you know he was close? But it said, Peter stood at the gate. And this is verse 16. It's amazing. But Peter stood outside the courtyard at the gate. Then the other disciple, that's John, who was known to the high priest that said it again, went out and spoke to her who kept the door, and he brought Peter in. Not only was he known by the high priest and could come and go as he wanted to, but he had such influence that even the gatekeeper knew who John was. That means he was around the high priest a whole lot. This is John, John. James's brother, the son of Zebedee, he was known so well by the high priest that he could even bring strangers and Galileans into the courtyard of the high priest. So it says he went in and spoke to this lady and brought Peter in. And then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of the this man's disciples, are you? In other words, she knew, she knew that John was and it was okay. It's an amazing passage of scripture. Well, you say, well, what does that have to do with Jesus and Peter being religious? This doesn't say anything about John being religious. Yes, it does. And the reason it does is because the high priest wouldn't even let you around him unless you were religious, unless you had a lot of money. There's no telling what the sons of Zebedee had given from their father and the business that they had inherited and taken over in uh, the fishing village of Bethsaida. You see, these were real people with real lives. And so I just hope this helps you to understand that you and I sometimes cop out and say, well, I'm in a relationship with God and that's all that matters. Well, a relationship takes maintenance, not on his part, but on our part. And so let's develop routines that will promote godliness in our lives. I hope this helps you, and I hope this answers the questions for those of you who have written in and talked with me over the years about whether Jesus and his disciples were religious. Some of them weren't, but the ones who were in the leadership were, and certainly Jesus was. May this be a blessing to you. On the Way, I'm Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.